So here's somebody who dedicates all of his time to helping the poor, to protesting, to fighting for for Catholic social teaching and and, and true human rights. Um, and then his recreational time goes to trying to go find God and and, and going on the mountains and one of these trips where they would have mass and he would you know do the rosary while they're doing all this climbing and I'm sure his friends are like, dude, I don't want to do the rosary right now. I'm about to die. So if you could just chill out there, Pierre. Welcome back to another episode of PPK. I don't know about you boys, but I'm feeling pretty solid about 2022, bringing it way more consistent, adding all kinds of new and awesome things with PPK perspectives. And we are excited about even today's episode. Uh, and I'm going to have to kick it over since PPK is the brainchild of Miko. This is also the brainchild of Miko. So what are we doing in this episode, Meeks? Yeah, so we are starting a new series that we talked about last time all three of us were together. Um, this is basically going to be called the Modern Saint Series. So we're going to be diving into some saints of the past century, possibly maybe some 1800s as well. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So basically our idea is to kind of give a little background on some of the saints and sort of um, share some stories, offer our own reflections, and how we can kind of take their example into our own lives and hopefully uh, lead something similar to theirs. So today we have uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. It only makes sense. Um, all three of us along with him are super good looking and we're also Catholic. So that worked out pretty well for us. Um, but as you guys, as most of you guys know, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati is one of the most popular saints for young people, especially even if you're not good looking, you can still like him as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was 24 when he died. Uh, we're going to get into a little bit of his bio and then basically kind of just go in and, and reflect on his life and, you know, offer whatever um, insight we do have. So he, for those of you who don't know, he's born in Turin, Italy, um, Shroud of Turin. You may have heard that. Um, he was born in April 6, 1901. Um, he's involved in a ton of different things. He actually was, looks like, enrolled at a uh, Polytech University trying to become a mining engineer. Um he actually never ended up finishing that because he was too busy basically helping out the poor and dedicating his life to that aspect. He's born into a wealthy family. His dad was an ambassador to Germany as well as a senator and then also um, had his own newspaper as well. Um, Giorgio Fassati became super involved at a young age with sort of politics. Obviously, he was in the time of Mussolini, so it was pretty intense, um, where he joined basically the popular party of the Catholics that were kind of newly, newly formed there. He was in St. Vincent de Paul Society. He was also a third order lay Dominican. Um, and yeah, he lived a, a pretty crazy 20, 24 years of his life. He ended up dying on 19, 1925, July 4th. Um, only a few rooms over from his dying grandmother, I guess he would try to do all he could to help her out, even not really pay attention too much to himself. Um, he had a super rare disease of uh, poliomyelitis. Myelitis, I think at least. And um, ended up kind of being handicapped. It was a little bit more severe than I think they thought. And then ended up kind of being too late, uh, unfortunately. But he lived a crazy life. His parents kind of thought he was almost like a dud son because they had all this stuff. And he kind of never seemed to do well in school or anything like that. And um, if you kind of look at some of his letters, he would kind of just like celebrate getting, you know, 70s or 80s, just, you know, passing along in school. And there's so much there, but there's so much great insight. I remember reading something about how he would often, you know, take the bus 
and then give all his money away to a point where he had to run back home in order to make it on time for meals. And there's so many amazing things that he had done and really uh, willing to give his life um, for for Christ, for the poor. And we're going to get into some of his sort of philosophy in these three apostolates that should be very insightful for us as Catholics. Yeah. Keone, what's your, uh, your thoughts since you're, you're the closest to the, uh, the Italian-looking one of the family? <laughs> Um, at least when we were in Rome, that's what they said. Is he, he looked Italian. But uh, what's up, County? Coming all the way from Cali. What's your thoughts on Blessed Pierre? I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think what he did in 24 years of his life and where majority of the 24-year-olds in our society are at. Um, just kind of looking through kind of the bullet points of his life. I mean, he started receiving daily communion, which wasn't even a popular thing. Um I think it was at age 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and needed permission, right? He, so he, he actually yeah, he to, needed he, to get permission and actually get to receive communion daily. Yeah. Daily. To receive communion daily as a 12-year-old, right? Like that just, it blows my mind. The already, and I think that also stems from the, the beauty of a family. And like, so obviously he was, I mean, you don't just wake up as a 12-year-old and I want to receive daily. Like he, he's been formed well. Um, to be a third order Dominican, I think it was what, 20 years old, um, something along those lines. And, and just his fervor for the faith to go out and to serve the poor consistently. And they, they think that his disease was somehow rooted in his, his care for the poor. Now, I believe there is a connection there, uh, or at least it's, it's supposed. So just to see like 24 years, man, and what he prioritized in his life, something as simple as like he enjoyed the opera. He enjoyed, like, he he was, uh, he can memorize, like, Dante. <laughs> and it's just like, here we are, 24-year-olds. They're, uh, let's see, they memorize Drake, and they go to raves, and uh, they they spend majority of their time uh, seeking out followers. Yeah, followers yeah. is probably a good one. Um, and, you know, scrolling through their story. And... You know, he, here he was, like, emphasizing going out into the world and spreading his faith and making a point to spread his faith with everyone he encountered. Um, even, like like you said, Meeks, he went to the Polytechnic School or whatever for mining, like, just to, to serve them and to bring Christ to them. It's like, what? <laughs> and, and so you just think, like, it was only 100 years ago. And I know that, you know, in, in some sense, that, that is a long time, but it wasn't that long ago when you think of the history of the church. Um, and just to think how, how much we've progressed since then and, and really lost our way in reality of young men and women, but you think of this young man, um, and the impact he had, and it was evident when you, when you see his funeral and how many people showed up that his parents had no idea he even touched their, their lives. Um, so just to me resonating, even in my own life. Right, and I would—I like to consider myself, you know, fairly, you know, I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm striving to, you know, live the way and, and try to, you know, live my faith out to my best uh, of my ability, and, and just, you know, I'm striving to to be the man that, that God is calling to me to be. But I'm like, I read his story, I'm like, whoa, yeah, I have a lot of work to do. Uh, I think just one last reflection: the 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 idea of completely serving the poor is something that I know in myself, I, I need to process more and see like what God is wanting for me in that because 
that's something that's kind of been on my heart as far as like, um, whenever I see them I mean, in California, unfortunately you see them uh, pretty often. Um, and it's like, I don't know how to approach them. And so, um, just trying to, to allow the, the Holy spirit to really open my heart to like, what is it that it should be? If it's go get them a meal, if it's just to, to send a smile, you know, if I'm driving and I actually acknowledge them as a human being, regardless of their sign or what you might assume is going on in that situation, um, or actually doing something proactive, um, to help that person. But just to see him, you know, at such a young age, like being so passionate about it. Um, I, I don't think, I don't think you see a lot of that. Um, and I, I think that was something that like the mirror was on me, like, okay, what, what is God really wanting you to do? If there is anything, you know, just being open to that and, and what the Holy Spirit wants from me. But um, just all in all, just his, his priorities, how he spent his free time um, and how he was formed. It's just like evident that it, that is non-existent in, in today's generation, unfortunately. And so this is a good reflection. This is a good one to start off with. And we're talking about modern day saints. It's like this isn't too far away. This is something we are all striving for. This is why, you know, we're, we're trying to dive into the culture and PPK and transform it from within. And I think that's something that I think Pierre George Fossati was really trying to, to aim at in some sense, right? He's going to the poor. He's going to these secular people. He's, he's diving into it and he's spreading the faith um, and transforming that culture wherever he was, his coworkers, the, the student, fellow students, whatever it was, um, and, and speaking truth to him. So uh, I think we can learn, learn a lot from his short 24 years. Yeah, I think one of the things that was impressive, I mean, I would agree, right? I think it's super humbling when you look at somebody who's 24 years old. Not only did he spend, like, from a prioritization his time, but he obviously exasperated his resources, right? And and was willing to give materially. And, he, you know, he, he, he gave himself to a point of exhaustion and to the point of his own physical health and, and well-being. But... He, he's also like a man's man, right? He's like a mountaineer, right? I mean, everyone uses the, you know, Versa Alto, right, to the heights. Um, you know, he's got the classic picture of, you know, mountains in the background with a pipe in, 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 in uh, his mouth that everybody loves to use. Uh, he used every opportunity to lead his friends back to the sacraments, specifically the mass, and um, every opportunity to come. And we'll talk about that. And obviously, his postulates as far as, you know, the, the, the apostle of, of persuasiveness. But... He also was an anti-fascist. You know, I think we can all probably agree. At least you all know how we roll on this podcast where, yeah, we also we are also anti-fascist as well, just like he, like his dad. And he wasn't he wasn't afraid to fight for the faith. He wasn't afraid to fight for what was right and, ju and just. And so to a point where, you know, he would be out there protesting when um, whether that be the government were in the wrong um, in the wrong light or again, back in the Mussolini days. And we know a little bit about that in California. Governor Mussolini, I think he's related um, to uh, to Mussolini. Um, similar kind of Italian hair, something like that. Anyway, but he was he was super impressive in that sense because, um, you know, to your point, Keone, not even looking at your 24-year-old, look at your 34-year-old, your 44-year-old, your 54-year-old, and measure yourself up to this young man. I mean, it's easy to say, no wonder why he was he's, he's blessed. And I think it may be helpful, too, to even kind of look at the point of canonization because people who may be watching may not be Catholic, but when we talk about a saint there's a there's an official process in the church of which um there's three states there's venerable um blessed which he's he's blessed and then there's canonization a, a saint right so there's universal um reverence to him and so the church 
has a process of which they uh, verify, validate, substantiate whether or not they lived a holy and virtuous life. That's the first step. And then, of course, there's miracles attributed to this person after they've been um, kind of started the process. And so when we say blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, he's already has a miracle attributed to him. Um, there was a cause for canonization that was open um, by his diocese. And, 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 and so they're looking at like, hey, man, this this was a special man of God that obviously not only uh, lived a life that was Christ-like, but actually tried to lead others to it and serve the poor. And going one real quick point to, that you made, Keone, about the about serving the poor, and you know that that's obviously when you think about our uh, corporal works of mercy, as well as you know the poor get preferential treatment, right? We know that from like Vatican II and and whatnot, to where that you know there in today's world, especially uh, there's a lot of people that just go who are invisible to to the average person. And I think the poor are one of them. And it was evident in his own funeral to his family and all that were there that he ministered to everybody that he could, especially those that who are the most vulnerable. So makes Yeah, um, I think when you're when you're reading about Pierre Giorgio, I think the first thing that you get is like, wow, I kind of suck. You know what I mean? Like here's someone when we talk about conviction that's someone who truly believed everything that the church taught and he embodied and he embodied that in every way. And, you know, he says multiple times how um, the faith starts with charity and, and he went and he just did it. It wasn't a question. And even when Kenny had said that he must have been well formed, I, I think I was actually reading that he, his parents weren't actually as into it. And it was weird how he was. Even his sister said the difference between them two is I like success and he liked the poor. So just mm-hmm. like the crazy, the craziness that I mean, he was just obviously from the beginning, just almost endowed with this or participating in this grace that was already given to him. And that's crazy. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the craziest thing I think to me is, you know, when we sit and we talk about all these things about belief in God and some of the podcasts that we put on and what we're talking about is not, you know, encouraging people to live like us. It's encouraging people to live like Pierre Giorgio Versati. Like that's, that's the level that we're trying to get to, especially as young people. And I think there's so many different things, not only the poor, right? Um, recognizing them as, as human beings and, and doing our best to, you know, give when we do have things in the car. Um, a great uh, tip I, I heard from Jacob Imam was to always keep $5 gift cards to different places like fast food uh, restaurants in your car. So you could always kind of just give them a five dollar something that I know um, I want to do, um, but I, I think another another big thing that um, that I was thinking about was how the Catholic party that he had sort of joined at the time was based on Rerum Novarum. And I think about how much he actively sought sought to be like Christ and fight for the church in every way possible, you know. And I think for us one of the things that we kind of get caught up with in American society where we're spoiled and take everything for granted is we kind of lose sight of that. And then we forget that um, the church fathers aren't Thomas Jefferson and George Washington. Mm. And, you know, one of the, one of the things that came from Miriam Navarro and Pope Leo saying that, you know, whatever you have and that you need, that's fine. Take that. But everything in excess belongs to the poor. And, you know, I think there's something more than just, um, you know, donating some clothes to Goodwill or some of that other stuff that can be tough that we all need to go and answer that call. But how many of us are pushing for the principles taught in Rayo Navarro in our political climate today? I mean, I think most Catholics just go with, 
hey, let's overturn Roe v. Wade, and then we're good to go, and that's all we get. That's our political fight, and it's pretty sorry for the most part. Um, I think we ignore a lot of the evils that happen within um, the post-industrial, whatever the heck we're in right now. Um, there's a lot of those teachings that seem to have gone sort of, you know, under the rug for a lot of us. And it's just been kind of a, a sad, a sad reality, not obviously for myself, but when I'm looking at society, man, if, if we had more, if we had three Pierre Giorgio Fasadis right now in America, how much different would it be? Um, and yeah, so I couldn't really get over a lot of that kind of stuff. You know, as soon as I read it, I was thinking about, you know, where, where do I feel called? Where is it? Where's my, where's my ministry going to be outside of podcasts? Where am I going to make a difference in, in individuals' lives? And then also kind of like, you know, what are we fighting for? I think as Catholics, I think it has to be a little bit more than just free speech and, and the pro-life cause, which is, a, which is a great cause. But, you know, what are we doing to do those things? This guy dedicated his life. He probably should have graduated already. He had the money. He had parents probably who were on his back about getting stuff done. And he only had one thing in mind was to spread charity, spread love, to be there for the poor, um, and to be Christ-like. Yeah, I think one of my, if I just go to one of my favorite quotes of his um, that kind of sums up the life of Blessed Pierre is to live without faith, without a patrimony to defend, without a steady struggle for truth, it, that is not living but existing. And how many people today just exist? Right. And, and it's, it's really easy to do in first world climate right? In first world. You talk about capitalism. Um, you know, we really uh, when you talk about the encyclical Pope Leo XIII, we're talking about social justice, um, Catholic teaching, teaching on social justice. Um, maybe not what you get on some of the, uh, you know, the social justice warriors out there um, as they try to use it to their advantage. But really um, breaking down what it means to, you know, uh, true justice and, and giving, you know, having what's due to you, but also, again, remembering those that are less fortunate and vulnerable. But that, that again, that quote, to live without faith, without a patrimony to defend, without a steady struggle for truth, that is not living, but existing, speak to, speaks to the life of Blessed Pierre. So why don't we transition, Meeks, and talk about those three apostolates so we can kind of give an idea of something tangible that we can, actually, let's go, let's back up for a second, because we talked about the process of canonization um what does that mean what was a you know there was a miracle attributed to blessed pierre so you, you born in 1901 died in 1925 and then what what occurred uh, thereafter so that way uh, our listeners can kind of understand like what happens in that process yeah so the first miracle attributed to uh, pierre giorgio Frassati seems to be recognized in 1933 um this is a man named dominico dominico uh, he was 40, suffering from tuberculosis disease, uh, basically paralyzed and uh, nearing death. A priest gave him a small prayer card of um, Pierre Georgius Frasati, and then he was actually uh, cured, miraculously, they say, and then lived for another 35 years. Um, so this was the first one that got attributed to Pierre Georgius Frasati, and then he became uh, beatified by JP2 in 1990. Yeah, and, then, and what's crazy is when they uh, exhumed his body, right? It, it was intact and and uh, and un he's an un incorruptible. So, Kiana, I don't even know if you remember this, but when we did World Youth Day in Poland, they brought his body from Turin, and we were able to reverence. I, yeah. Remember that? Mm -hmm. So we were able to mm -hmm. reverence his his uh, his body at one of the Dominican churches there in Poland. Um, since uh, you know the Dominicans uh, came over there to uh, evangelize. Um, but he was he was one of the he was obviously a big draw for the youth there as well. So um, 
I did not realize at that point that he was intact and, in, and incorruptible, which is a miracle in and of itself. So I think they exhumed his body back in 80, 1981 or something of that nature. Um, and, and so you figure that obviously decades after he, he had died, especially going through disease, that his body still remained uh, intact and, and, and incorruptible. Yeah. Um, he also was brought uh, to Australia in 2008 as well. So it's a big Ward Day guy, I guess. He's always going on. Here's, here's a question, though. When you think about Blessed Pierre Giorgio Fasardi and you re- we reflect on his life, are we going to be on a prayer card that priests are going to hand out eight years after you die? Right. Like that's, that's, just, that's just something to reflect yeah. on. Like When you die is eight years later, is a priest going to have a card of you? that he's going to hand out, yeah, you know, like talk. just, just think about that. Like he was 24, yeah. you know, and, he, and eight years later, it's just, it blows my mind. Like a prayer card of you, like you, yeah. you didn't die that long ago, <laughs> you know? And that's just less than a decade. And there's a card of him. Like that just, that speaks to his impact. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It, because you insane. think about it, right. They're saying if you, so just for the listeners out there. So if, if there's a miracle attributed to your intercession, and so what ended up happening with this individual who is suffering from disease really, and it's, it's inexplainable that it's inexplainable, it's inexplainable scientifically how this person was healed from term, basically terminal illness. And so when this priest sends you a card of blessed Pierre George, well, he wasn't blessed at that time, but to say, hey, let's pray for this young man's inter- intercession. So he knew of the virtue and holy life that he lived. Let's pray for his intercession. Right. And so that's kind of what um, is part of that process is when people pray. Um, I mean, we, we, we were big fans of, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen here as well. We, we know about the miracle associated with him, but same kind of situation there. And, um, the intercession, uh, that he is able to provide based on the prayers of the faithful to, uh, these specific individuals. So, yeah, so we'll dive into this, um, the three apostolates that Pierre Giorgio Fasadi in like a little, looks like a bonus fourth one. Um, and I can kind of start it off. So he had this speech to basically the Catholic youth um, in, I'm going to butcher this one, but Poloni, Italy, something like that. Um, and the first example, which, you know, I guess we could kind of maybe each offer a little reflection on each of these, but the first one's a good example. And um, the quote that he had kind of directing towards this principle for him was we Catholics must strive to have our whole life guided by Christian moral law. And um, yeah, I think he embodied that in every way. And I think one of the biggest examples, yeah, we can go to all of the, you know, he obviously led by example. He was in every group imaginable that he could be in order to continue to help, whether it's St. Vincent de Paul society or uh, political groups or the lay Dominicans. But I think even in his um, sort of recreational activities, right. When he's, climbing mountains and stuff and he had he had a quote that said like if my studies allowed me to i'd basically be up here all the time and it was this point for him where it was like that was the point that he probably felt like he could truly see god he could see it in all of his beauty um of what he created and like so here's somebody who dedicates all of his time to helping the poor to protesting to fighting for for catholic social teaching and and, and true human rights um and then his recreational time goes to trying to go find God and, and, and going on the mountains and one of these trips where they would have mass and he would, you know, do the rosary while they're doing all this climbing. And I'm sure his friends are like, dude, I don't want to do the rosary right now. I'm about to die. So if you could just chill out there, Pierre, and all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, you talk about good example, right? Mm-hmm. Like even in these times where I'm doing, and he has a quote later on about pe- people using their, their free time and devices, 
and not sort of building themselves up in those in those areas and i think that's such a a key thing where you know i'm thinking about okay what do i do in my free time and how you know you think about going outside you're like "Mm, i don't know you know it's kind of hot or maybe it's kind of cold but you're someone who continually actively sought out god whether it's in nature or in the things that he did or in the poor and i think that's how you really can lead by good example um and how he was just so joyful uh, I think we'll talk about that in charity as well. But a lot of his friends just talked about how he's always just smiling and just wanted to be with them, you know, and stood by them. And at the by the same time was leading them in the rosary, was leading them in mass. And, um, yeah, that's a friend right there. And that's a Christian as well. Keone. So what stood out to me when you read that small quote, you know, must strive to have our whole life guided by Christian moral law. I see a man whose virtue was rooted in knowledge. So in order to even live your life guided by Christian moral law, you have to be aware of what Christian moral law is, what is Catholic social teaching, right? Which is like, he wanted to defend it, uphold it in the world and in the political sphere and society at large, because he believed it to be true and he knew of it. And I think, like you said, there's a lot, Meeks, that do go under the rug right now that we just kind of, we don't even recognize as as maybe what has been a, a downroad spiral or a domino effect of chaos that, that that has brought us to where we're in in 2022 but i just see a man who is you know you think the dominicans right it's a lot of it's knowledge based and it's it's in study and in spreading the word and in preaching right so i just think of that's what he did like no wonder he's a third order dominican it's because he's, he's he's a smart dude who wants to go live it out and i think for us it I mean, I've talked about it, I think me personally, and just in my, my bits and the episodes of like, get your study up, like, you know, like learn the faith. And then when you learn it, you're transformed by it. When you're transformed by it, then you have something to give in the world, but you can't give that, which you don't have. Right? How can you go and be an example of the Christian moral law when you don't even know what it is? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's something that really stood out to me is like, he, he embodied it because he knew it and he knew it to be true. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you're, you know, you're referencing obviously the Dominican uh, virtues when we think that, and we've talked about this before, I've mentioned it before, being also being a third order Dominican, like Blessed Pierre, um, that the primary virtue is knowledge, right? Because it leads to love, right? So you can't love that which you don't know. And I think that's what um, Blessed Pierre actually obviously demonstrated and exhibited. And I think just when you talk about good example, and I think this is something that we can all grow and learn from. You know, we're, all, we're obviously all pilgrim people. We're all broken, wounded individuals striving for sainthood. Um, but what kind of example are, are we to others? And I think great call out, Candy, when you say, yeah, is a priest going to be handing out your card with your name on it only eight years after you die to pray for your intercession? And I think that's the part where we need we have some work to do because we got a lot of lukewarm, lazy, low information Catholics that um, are, are more worried about uh, being accepted and liked worldly rather than living out Christ and embodying all of those virtues. He's the man of the Beatitudes, right, as, as he's known, and bringing that everywhere he went. And he doesn't compromise. Like, you know what I mean? He doesn't. That's the thing that's most impressive. I think this is what he, what's so attractive to him, especially to the young adults, is like he, he had swag. He was a good-looking dude. You know what I mean? He, he, he wasn't like a pushover or, or somebody you walked over. The dude was battling guards, you know, in the midst of a, of, a, of, a, of a fight with the government. At the same time, he's feeding the poor the poor. He's not sitting there all mashed up and worried about whether or not he's going to catch a cold, right? He's sitting there. He's just going and serving the poor. 
You know, it's funny <laughs> that you say that because the whole time we've been talking and literally last night reading um, the Bible in the air, I guess listening to the Bible in the air, um, still trying to catch up, by the way, but that's, that's another story. Um, it was introducing David. Mm. And to me, it's like you see this young man, Pierre Giorgio Frasati, who is so convinced of the truth that he's going out and he's going to fight whoever it is. And he's going to spread it to whoever it is because he's so convinced of the truth. And I see that in a young David, mm. right? Going up to Goliath, like, is this man not defiling the Lord our God, the God of Israel? Like, I don't care who he is, and I don't care how small I am. I'm going to go fight. And so, like, I just see that in that young young David. And obviously, Blessed Pierre George of Society is like the modern-day, you know, exemplar of that, just being like a young man who's convinced by truth. And it doesn't matter who's standing in the way. He's going to spread the truth, and he's going to stand up for what he knows. And I think that is such a gift uh, that all of us, I mean, you're using your gifts. You're using your... If it's your uh, physical looks, if it's your your gift of persuasion, which we'll get into, if whatever it is to bring people to Christ and to and to defend the truth, I, I think that's that was just a parallel that kept re, kept resonating with me, kept coming to my head. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, I mean, just the one thing to add on that, as far as being a good example um, of just Christian morality, I think there are so many people. I mean, we're not free from it at all, but 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 I think. When people see you, when they see your Instagram page, when they see your Facebook page, when they see your Twitter account, when they see you in the store, when they see you when you're not looking and you don't see them, what do they see? I mean, that's just real. Like, do, do you look just like everybody you dress? Are you immodest? Are you are you sitting there? Every other word is, a, is, is an F-bomb, but, but you're so, supposedly Catholic. You know what I mean? And I think that's the part that I struggle with. When I look at somebody like Blessed Pierre, I mean, you don't get to sainthood on this side of heaven. By looking like everybody else and, and i mean a challenge for all of us is like what kind of example are we setting because if you got a, a you know a popularity rate out there with the world then you're just doing it wrong we've said this so many times i've said it so many times but i think when you talk about being a good but a good example um and and we talked about the word strive and we said this before he's talking about striving to have our whole life guided by catholic christian more moral law that, that's a rigorous struggle with opposition. So yes, it's difficult to be Catholic in today's world. Whatever, wake up. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's picking up the cross, denying yourself. So anyway, makes moving on. Um, I had one last point I wanted to, for the good example, um, just real quick, because I'm thinking about he's coming from a wealthy family and his sister's saying the difference between them is I like success and he likes it poor. And to sit there and, and have that wealth, especially in a point where Really, you know, early, in the early 1900s, only the wealthy survive. Mm -hmm. And um, he had even said he had disagreed with, you know, the the few owning most of the lands, which included his dad, was one of the few owning a lot of the lands. And, you know, when everything is pointing in the direction of you're set up for success and you're supposed to be wealthy and continue this, all he could think about was the poor, you know, and sacrifice and looking to others. So when everyone is promoting success, you know, he's probably asking, what does that have to do with virtue? What does that have to do with Christ's teaching? And I think um, that's probably one of the greatest examples and something I'm continually trying to battle as I try to get through the 460 gas and the crazy high prices of housing and rent is where is that balance? And at the end of the day, I think God's going to, I don't think, I could be wrong, but I don't think he's going to ask us how much we made. I think he's probably asked, what have you done for my people? Um, what did you do for, for me? How did you spread 
the gospel um, and the truth. And so I think that's one of the biggest ways that probably goes overlooked a little bit of how did, you know, how did he lead by example? Well, he gave away all the things that we all wish we had, right? This wealthy family in the back, and he completely gave everything he had, even to not have a ride on the bus back to his home. His um, education, you name it, right? Yeah. yeah, so the next apostolate is uh, of charity. And I'll share this quote um, from his speech, when, and he says, The Apostle St. Paul says, The charity of Christ needs us. And without this fire, which little by little must destroy our personality so that our hearts beat only for the sorrows of others. We would not be Christians, much less Catholics. Mm. Uh, that's a brutal one right there, because mm. um, my heart does not beat only for the soul, sorrow of others, and uh, that's that's one that I've been thinking about a lot too. Uh, right, the joy of faith. Shout out to our guy Ray, <laughs> Ray, uh, the, one of the joyous of all of the faith. Um, and I look at people like him or our prayer judge for Saudi or a lot of the saints, and I'm like, you know, as a practicing Catholic, where is where is my joy in that? Where is my wanting so badly? for people to experience Christ the way that I have. You know, I, I haven't done a great job at it at all. Um, I have uh, I have the crankiness of, of faith. I don't know if that's a thing, but I've definitely developed that. Um, <laughs> and sort of this, you know, sometimes just getting in anger when some people aren't following the things that they should be, which, you know, this could be just sometimes, but, you know, where is my true joy? Um, and, you know, we've talked about, you know, sitting in an adoration with the hard eyes and I'm not necessarily discussing those things, but, really just being happy and then seeing that in people. Like I, I have such a hard time seeing Christ in some people. And to be frank, a lot of times when I do see, you know, homeless people on the side of the road, there's so many things that I could see that are negative in terms of, okay, even if I go up to that person, I don't know what they're going to do to me, which is true. You don't, you don't really know. You have no control. You don't know where these, what these people's intentions are. But uh, maybe sometimes it's good to just see Christ in them first and then to offer a hand. And, um, and trust that in whatever happens, it's God's plan. So, um, yeah, that's something I, I definitely reflected on when we're talking about this thing of charity. Uh, not something I don't think I'm, I'm too great at in the same way that uh, Pierre Giorgio is. When you think about it, when you think about theological virtues, right? We, we, faith, hope, and love, the, the last of these will be all that's left when we get to heaven. And so to be able to live out the charitable virtue here on earth um, is key and critical, especially as we uh, we strive to get to heaven. Keone, what do you have to say about this apostolate of charity? Just thinking about the idea of destroying our own pers personality and to the point where our heart beats for the sorrows of others. That, that part stood out to me because I think of Our Lady, Our Lady of Sorrows, right? And how <clears throat> I think it was Father Ripperger who talked about she could experience the emotionality, the suffering to, to so much, to so, such a greater degree than we do because she's so perfectly detached from things of this world and she's perfectly attached to God himself. Mm. And so like the, the emotions, the suffering pierce her heart, like Simeon said, in, in, in a deeper way than we have because we have our own pride, our bad habits, our uh, false attachments that kind of distract us or that lead us in a different way, or that, you know, blur things. But she's so perfectly in tune that, like, imagine, like, seeing her own son on the cross, like, it pierces her in such a deeper way. When we think about, like, her love for her children, us, all of us, her spiritual children, like, she's our lady of sorrows because she, she's suffering, you know? And I think that this, 
this is why we turn to her as our loving mother because she she experiences that sorrow for us and she wants us to be to be better she wants our salvation she wants to bring us to god and i'm seeing that in in what pierre giorgio facade is trying to do is like he's so he looks out into the world and he's he's pierced by the poor that he's like i, I need to help them i want what's best for them i need to serve that i think we often miss because like you said makes i do that i think we all do but i do it too you look at them and what i'm i don't i'm I have a barrier to being pierced by their suffering because I see maybe a mistake that I assume that they made or maybe their background or maybe a choice that they made or maybe something I don't agree with or a circumstance, my own hesitation or like, like you said, uncertainty of what's going to happen. I have all these at play because I'm, I have my own faulty um, attachments and pride and bad habits and false perceptions. Whereas mother Mary or blessed Pierre Georgia Fassati is just, he's there and he's immediately pierced by the sorrow they experiences and what, what else would drive you for their salvation to go out there and serve them. And to, to me, it's just like, wow, we have, we do have a lot of work to do. Yeah. I think quoting a, a, another Dominican St. Thomas Aquinas, I'm paraphrasing, um, which I think is, is uh, demonstrated in, in this apostate of charity is it's something in the sense of like, um, like loving oneself comes out of necessity but like loving others comes out of ch- true charity, right? So like, in, and I'm, I'm really probably doing that wrong, but the idea of um, when we're such a turn inward on ourselves society, right? Like we're always navel gazing and, you know, my body, my choice and all this other stuff, my rights, my this, my that. And if you look self-love. at self-love, yeah, self-love for sure. Um, I mean, that, that was, you know, Satan's thing too. But if you look at Blessed Pierre's, it's like he was always going out. And if you want a sure way out of getting out of depressive, uh, depressive state or, you know, being melancholic or whatever, go serve other people, you know, go love other people. And that joy comes with that love because then you start to go outside of yourself. When you look at the four levels of happiness, you know, it's it's that third and fourth level that actually lead to the transcendent. And I think that's what Blessed Pierre shows us is that. You know, it's, it's real easy to love. I mean, our Lord said it, right? What's, what good is it you if you love those who love you? But it's about loving those that, that don't love you and, and actually even hate you. And that, that's a difficult thing for all of us. I'm not saying that's easy. But definitely when I think about um, Blessed Pierre, you know, what a, a loving heart. And it showed it, just even at his memorial, right, at, at his, his funeral where everyone showed up and his family were just floored. Meeks. Yeah. Um, the third of the apostolate. Um, is persuasion. I mean, I don't know how much we have to really dive into this, um, but his quote is, this is one of the most beautiful and necessary. Young people approach your colleagues at work who live their lives away from the church and spend their free time not in healthy pastimes, but in vices. Persuade those unfortunate people to follow the ways of God, strewn, strewn with many thorns, but also many roses. Um, you know, Keone's probably the goat at the, pers- <laughs> at the persuasion um, aspect. I've I've never really been that guy. It's something for sure. You know, I looked about and kind of reflected upon my own. Um, you know, we're in a really weird climate right now. You know, um, so I think persuasion is often a little bit trickier because um, sometimes the conversation itself can just get you fired or, or canceled or whatever quickly. So I I think it's on us to find those new ways to do it. But I think it also comes through conversation. And uh, yeah, I know that's something I need to work on, but. It's hard to say sometimes to your friends, people I've grown up with my whole life, hey, dude, what you're doing? 
kind of butt cheeks, bro. <laughs> like, nah, you're not going to be happy that way, my guy. Um, and so, yeah, that's something I need to work on. But I guess we can get to the persuasion, the Asian persuasion master over there, dude. <laughs> dude, I don't, I don't even know how it happens sometimes. But, um, you know, I've, I've loved the opportunity to share my faith to my, you know, my classmates, my coworkers. Um, shout out to my boy Nico, who's my my godson. He entered into the church last year. Um, I mean, it's it, just seeing people, and you just kind of see the heart. And like we're also, if you if you we truly believe, and we go think back to our second episode, the belief in God and what that means. If we truly believe that we are all made by the creator, then you know where everyone's heart's at. And, and, and what I try to do is in my conversation, obviously, you know, I, I, it's not the first thing I bring up usually, um, <clears throat> you know, build that relationship. And then I find ways to bring God in. And it's a lot of how God brought himself to me in a huge way. He, 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 he found things that are going to resonate with my heart. Right? He brought me to Franciscan through basketball, right? If I wasn't even on the team, I probably wouldn't have went to Franciscan, but he, he found ways to at least, find common ground. And then once my heart was open, then he revealed himself in such a different way. And I had no choice but to accept it. And I feel like that's the dynamic that he's blessed me with the ability to do so with other people and that I relate with them in some way. And once I see the opening, I reveal some sort of truth that resonates with them personally. And not every time, but a lot of the times they have no choice, but at least to consider it, even if they don't change their life tomorrow their life was changed because they have a new idea and a transcendent idea that they now have to face with. And that's the seed that I, it's all, it's my only job to plant and, and Christ's job to cultivate. So I think, um, you know, as far as persuasion goes, actually building relationships with people is probably a good first step, especially in the age of like remote working and people in mask wearing and we don't even know how to interact with humans anymore. Like actually seeing your coworker as like a beloved daughter or son of God, like that is a nice start, you know, and just like actually having a conversation with them. Like you care, like how their family's doing or what they did after work, you know, and not to be nosy, but just build relationships, you know, and, and those are, you find those openings and then they start to ask about what you do. And then you start to share a little bit about this, or then you find that opening. And, but just what I'm hearing from blessed Pierre is just like, go spread the truth. Like if you believe that it saves lives, that it's, it's the, the path to heaven and to eternal life and to pure joy. Why wouldn't you share that? Um, and so I, I think it's just right. Taking it upon ourselves to, if we, like we talked about that, if we have this joy of faith, or at least we are convinced that is the source of joy. Um, we have a duty to, to share it. And, and the, the, the effect of, or the result um, that comes from it is not up to us. Yeah, I think it's actually, when we think about the, the third apostle of persuasion, he, he sets it in right order because I think the, the best way to persuade somebody is actually be a good example of what you're trying to witness to. Um, Pope St. Paul VI, who uh, in, in Evangelii Nuntiandi on evangelization in the modern world said it right, that modern man listens more to witnesses than to teachers, and if they listen to teachers, it's because they were witnesses first. And I think Blessed Pierre is that example, right, that through his good example of living a Christian moral life, a Catholic moral life, through his example of true charity, going outside of himself and serving others, that it's easy to persuade because this guy's living it, right? Like he is crystallized christ in the culture, embodying, embodying all the virtues. So it's a, 
we live in such a dichotomous hypocrite, uh, hypocritical world. We've talked about this before where like most people are like, yeah, whatever. Right. Like, what do you have to say about this? But when you have somebody that's real and raw like that, I don't think you need any more persuasion. So you tend to respect somebody like that who, who, who goes against the grain, who lives a life that is completely separate from what everybody else is. And then he starts to even influence like, Hey man, how is that going? You subscribing to what the world has to offer. You know, there's a better way. And that comes, I think, with more weight than somebody who's sitting there like a butterfly or chameleon who just adapts and adjusts um, and looks like the rest of the world. Meeks, parting words. Yeah, so I think it'd be good um, to kind of end with his last, his last little spiel about the three apostolates in that he says, none of these work without sacrifice. He says, but if every one of you were to possess these gifts to the highest degree and did not have the spirit of sacrifice in abundance, you would not be a good Catholic. We must sacrifice everything for everything, our ambitions, indeed, our entire selves for the cause of the faith. So that's a pretty gnarly, pretty gnarly quote. Um, I mean, we must sacrifice everything for everything. Um, you know, I think about that in a lot of different ways. Um, I think about it in terms of how many opportunities we have in a day to say yes and we say no. You know, and I don't know if Keone brought this up, but I've heard this a few times. And, you know, that moment of sin that you fell into, there was a hundred or 200 other opportunities to say, you know, whatever the number is to say yes. But then it was that you continually said no, said no, said no to a point where you, you know, you fell into sin. Um, and I think that's the, that's the, the small way of looking at sacrifices, right? To, to, to say yes to whatever annoying thing or whatever it is in the road in traffic, whatever those things are saying yes to patience, saying yes to Christ saying yes to prayer or whatever it is in those moments when it's so easy to say no and doesn't look harmful. But also in those big ways, like I think a big thing, right, like sacrificing our ambitions. Um, you know, I hate to say this, but <laughs> Catholic teaching is generally that it's preferred for, you know, a mother to stay home. Um, and that I, you know, I read in The Three Marks of Manhood, Priest, Prophet, and King, uh, a book by G.C. Dilsayer, I think, um, and he talks about the man's actual only reason for working so that the wife doesn't. I think about some of these things of ambitions and how we're just so wired to go out and have passive income and do this and that and financial freedom. And that's all we care about to a point where it's like, man, I think we're really missing the point, you know. Um, and, you know, our children suffer because then, you know, whether it's a public school or the daycare, or whoever's end up raising them instead of the parents and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't think it's just in that, but. You know, checking our ambitions. What are we? What are we sacrificing in those ways? Um, I, I think it's. I think we're in a scary time to be so caught up in making money that we now have multiverses and virtual currency, where it's like, oh man, we have lost it. And then think that you own something mm. while <laughs> you rent everything else. You have to go to. You know, I we've missed a lot of it. Um, and coming from someone who is wealthy in a point where not a lot were wealthy, um, to say that. So I think it, it offers a major reflection. I don't think any of this works without sacrifice. You know, <laughs> I think it's the whole point of Jesus coming down was to let us know about that. So yeah, something to consider, that's for sure. Keone? We must sacrifice everything for everything. And I think it's like reflecting on where every one of our listeners and us included, like what is everything to us right now? All right, if I'm reflecting on my own life, well, everything right now to me is my job security. Everything right now is you know, me getting my license, everything right now is figuring out where I need to move, you know, whatever it is, that's everything to me. 
sacrificing that for everything that I hope for, everything that I know to be true, and the rest will sort itself out. And that's something that really resonates with me is when you say sacrifice everything for everything, like whatever we view as upholding our stability in life or what our source of like, okay, things are good right now, our comfort or whatever, sacrificing that simply to pursue truth and to, and to do his will, the father's will. And I think Pierre George Fassard didn't care about the wealth, didn't care about what he was, he, he just knew the truth and he wanted to spread it and live it. And he was taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that we all, I think we all like to, and I know for me, I like to believe it. I like to say it. Um, but just to really live in that faith, like you said, in the pursuit of faith, for the cause of faith, um, to, to live that out and, and to be confident in it. Yeah, I think, uh, man, he's he's definitely somebody I'm glad that we decided to, to, to kick off this Modern Saint series with because I think he, he definitely embodies Christ in the modern world and his life speaks to it, um, hands down. And I think ending on that quote, I think one of the things that we, and we've said this before, one of the things that people are sorely missing specifically in discipleship, but definitely in marriage and family, is the concept and the embracing of sacrifice. That everybody expects you know, it to be happy, go lucky, do you get yours mentality, rather than the total gift of oneself for that whom which you love, right? Greater no love than this, than to lay down one's life for a friend. And so, you know, I think that um, Blessed Pierre was definitely one of the saints that we needed to highlight. We're glad that you guys joined us on this new installment of Modern Saint Series. Thanks to this guy's brainchild over here. And uh, we are blessed and honored to always be with you. We ask that you continue to pray for us. And let's ask for the intercession of Blessed Pierre. And you know how we do it. Get holy or die trying. God's peace.